Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Matt, it's time <laughs> to review M. Night Shyamalan's epic return to unintentional comedy. What a twist, what a twist. Yes, today we are reviewing M. Night Shyamalan's Old, starring Gail Garcia Barnell, Vicky Creeps, uh, Rufus Sewell, uh, Ken Lung, Sewell, sorry. That's right. Uh, Ken Lung, um, uh, you got uh, Eliza Scanlon, uh, Thomas and McKenzie, Alex Wolf. There's lots of people in this movie uh, playing different ages of the same character and things like that. Uh, Eric, how are you? Feeling old, Matt. Feeling old. <laughs> yeah. Uh, old will be released on July 23rd, 2021, uh, released by Universal Pictures only in theaters, uh, but it is part of that Universal. Uh, I think they have like a three week theatrical window right now on yeah. all of their stuff. So. Uh, if theaters aren't open in your area or if cases are getting bad, I know that's happening in some areas or, you know, some cinemas are shutting down again in the UK and things like that. Um, it should be available to you soon enough. But if it's safe to go, uh, you can go see it in a theater, which I bet you this movie would be fun with a crowd. <laughs> yeah, especially with like a Midnight Madness-esque kind of audience or, or you know, the, the idea of something like the room playing to a crowd that's laughing ironically at the film and not with it. Um, although I think that this movie is, you can laugh at this film more than say the room where watching the room, I sometimes wonder if I'm laughing at somebody who has sort of yeah. mental illness, yeah, you know, yeah, creating yeah. their vision where with M night Shyamalan, He's just a guy who knows, should, should know better. He, he knows better and he's his own worst enemy. So you can't feel bad for the guy, right? Like, no. I mean, I, and we've talked about countless times. We want times. him to succeed. Like, yeah. We always, we always get burnt <laughs> rooting for the guy. And like, it kind of seemed like he was making a bit of a comeback with, you know the visit, the visit and split, split, and then thing fumbled with glass a little bit. Although fumbled. I, I, I <laughs> did, I didn't hate glass like you I know, did, but a um, lot of people did. So. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. Um, uh, I didn't hate glass. Um, you know, I have no desire to really re revisit it. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. Like, yeah, he's one of those guys, and we've talked about it a lot on our main show, on Untitled Movie Podcast. Please go subscribe. Our newest episode with uh, Kevin McGuire and Rihanna Meta is really, really fun. Um, where I think we might have brought up M Night a little bit, even there, I forget. But um, we've talked about him so much of how you know any guy who he didn't necessarily start with these three movies because he all had his student film uh, uh praying with anger and then wide awake but and he also have, wrote Stuart little yeah and stuff like that but when you he you have sixth sense unbreakable and signs like that you know not even a trilogy but that three movies together like well, I even feel just like, six sense six sense was yeah. the film that turned him into sort of the parody of himself with the plot twist and also sort yeah. of, you know, the media and critics, the next Spielberg, calling him the next Spielberg. And that kind of put him in a very precarious situation of trying to always match what came before and trying to do the same thing, but also, you know, do it bigger. And I think that his best stuff, both signs and unbreakable are movies that you look at them and, there's, I, I think the big thing here is that those movies aren't 
R-rated films. They're they're sort of you know they're Disney released films. But neither is this, right? Well, no, but it kind of feels like this is trying to go for a bit more of an edge, and we'll talk about that with the body horror stuff, where there are elements in Signs and Unbreakable that are fantastic and thrilling and suspenseful, but it never feels like M Night Shyamalan's trying to be anything more than just a really good storyteller and filmmaker where Mm -hmm. the happening old and you know split and 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 glass are movies where it's like the you know the the dorky kid wants to be like his cool older brother and dress up in cool clothing for the day and try to imitate yeah they're trying too hard even where emulates which is you know the the william freakins of the world and and you know the 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 toby hoopers and the and the harder r kind of genre stuff that came out of the amblin factory later on and then even into sort of you know just just horror in general and you know and weirdly i'd say six cents and signs are scarier because they're moodier and they have a style to them uh and i mean he's working i think with better uh collaborators at that time you know with james newton howard and and um i don't know if it was the same cinematographer uh yeah uh, Tak Fujimoto on both of those movies. It was the same um, cinematographer who shot Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. So like, I feel like, you know, when he was doing those and he had kind of, you know, a more uh, a subdued kind of uh, like, it, it just had a sense of style and feel those both, both of those movies that I feel like he's just kind of lost that completely and especially well, it's like ego, we'll talk man. about it's ego yeah. the ego got to him as well because by the time you get to the village which again like i think the village isn't very good but, but talking are, about good collaborators with deacons roger deacons but yeah. you look at you look at that movie though and and you watch it again for the the plot twist like that's right around the time where i think he got a little too big for his bridges and then with lady in the water i mean that's a well-documented sort of behind the scenes production, uh, you know, the man who heard voices and sort of where that all went, um, you know, and, and that's when he left, you know, Disney with, to go to Warner brothers to make that right. film because, you know, the people at, at Disney were like, you know, this isn't really a, a fully developed concept and we don't think we can really, you know, put this thing together. And yeah. so he said, no, because he said this, I'm M night Shyamalan. I can do what I want. Goes and makes Lady in the Water the same year it comes out as as Pan's Labyrinth. Which I gotta forget fantasy. that Kathleen Kathleen Kennedy and um and uh, what's his name Frank Marshall Frank yeah. Marshall were his producers on those first couple too, right? Yeah, and and I mean again, you know uh, Kathleen Kennedy's track record with sure. Star Wars is a little spotty here and there, but but I mean she back then the she was yeah she knows what she's doing when it comes to like you know helping cultivate uh, uh, an up-and-coming filmmaker with great ideas and isn't afraid to say no to them when they are going down the wrong path or when something needs a little bit more time. You know, she she's she is a very good producer. And I think even though, you know, she's been criticized for certain things with the Star Wars movies, she, she knows what she's doing. She's a professional. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, you know, him leaving was like that kind of first <laughs> sign uh, of, of, <laughs> of him kind of, just kind of completely whiffing and and then you get the happening which you know that was like the the whole event movie idea for that was the idea that his first r-rated r-rated movie in the vein of like 70s horror and it's going to be edgy and then you watch the thing and it's this weird sort of like you know so bad it's good parody of 
environmental disaster movies and you know Mark Wahlberg is so miscast in that film that it becomes comical. Uh, and to this day, if you ever watch, you know, YouTube clips or, you know, hear anybody talk about it, it's, it's basically like just how tonally off that movie is. Uh, and boy, we're, and we're back. <laughs> we're back. This, baby. Is liter- this literally could have been called the happening too. Like this, this, it, this, th- this could have taken place in the same universe as, the and happening. it might, and it might, yeah, it might. But yes, I mean, long story short, um, you know, after, you know, stumbling hard with the happening airbender after Earth, you know, Ooh. he kind of he died. And after th- Earth was like the movies, total like, jobber film because yes, that wasn't yeah. even marketed as an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Oh, that's when he needed to just work. And yeah. and like that might and be then coming there, back soon. And there there was a time where his name would pop up and people would laugh. And then I remember like being in a theater and there's not very many directors that people like a mainstream audience will notice like their actual name, like only the heavy hitters people usually like pay attention to. And then most of the people just no one pays attention to who directed a movie Um, with him. It was like, I think he had people, he fell so far off the wayside that his name started to becoming a a punchline in in movie trailers and stuff like that. And then, you know, I think he, he earned some of that goodwill back with the visit and split. And then um, he's been fumbling since. And then we get to old, which I think again, like most M night movies has a pretty intriguing premise, a pretty cool premise. Um, Great cast, solid setting. Yeah. Great cast beautiful vistas like a beautiful beach location like Shot in the look, dominican republic yeah and you know like eric said a, a great cast and you go okay like you know m night's sort of back i'm looking forward to this he stumbled with you know the third in a trilogy a, a secret trilogy and you're like okay maybe that the combination of those two universes of, of split and unbreakable didn't really quite work with the glass but um you know, I always go in going, you know what? I, I go in with an open mind. I'm like, I don't know what M night I'm going to get. Am I going to get, you know, OG M night, which we haven't really gotten since OG M night. Uh, or am I going to get, that was kind of fun M night. Or am I going to go, holy crap, what is this M night? And I feel like <laughs> this unfortunately, but sort of in a fun way falls into that, that last category because, um, I think he's his own worst enemy where, you know, I I've said this, I think in every M night movie I've ever reviewed and ever watched that I'm like, he needs to not write his own scripts. Like he needs to maybe do a first draft, maybe do a story by credit. Um, Cause the guy obviously has intriguing ideas. I know this was based off of a graphic novel. Sandcastles um, is a French graphic novel. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought it was Swiss, but yeah, and, and either well, one. Well, the, um, the, the one uh, illustrator the is, is Swiss. Swiss. Yes. Right, okay, yeah. yeah, but it's a French graphic novel. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so again, not his original idea, but the dude just does not know how to write dialogue. Like even going back to the stuff that is really good, like the one thing you can kind of go is like, ooh, some of the like, he just can't like plot a script out and and write realistic believable dialogue and that that kind of worked in sixth sense and signs and um and unbreakable but as we've gone on it's just gotten worse and worse to in movies like the happening in this where it is literally comical every line delivery and from great actors when you got vicky creeps just making you laugh with her line delivery you know something's fucked up <laughs> like like i'm just like she's so good in phantom <laughs> thread um that 
you're just like, how is this the same person? And like, I love Thomas and McKenzie. I love Alex Wolf. And you're just, just like, pig. like, yeah. And, and you're just like, Oh my God. And then, um, I mean, Eric, I'll let you take over what the movie's about, but well, like, here's, here's the thing with that though. I think that style of stilted writing could work if it was intentional. Yes. I yes. think that like the thing that reminds me the most, this movie specifically, and, and just, you know, in the last sort of five or six years, we've gotten a lot of his work is Yorgos Lanthimos. Like yeah. this could also be in the same universe as the lobster where sure. it's like that <laughs> deadpan delivery of a high concept um, horror sci-fi idea that the characters all talk to each other like they're robots. And, you know, like there's a deadpan delivery and tone in Yorgos Lanthimos's style that's also very mean-spirited. And I think M. Night Shyamalan wants to be a little bit mean-spirited with this, or at least torture his characters to a certain Absolutely, degree. Absolutely, yeah. But I think in the writing, he's also as you mentioned, being his own worst enemy, thinking that he's writing something that's better than it mm -hmm. actually is. Instead yeah. of just embracing the trashy kind of uh, slapstick goofiness of it. Yeah. of it all, he he's treating this material like, you know, it's as... It's profound and... and it it and has some sort of deeper meaning. Life, yeah, life-affirming or something. Right. Like, well, the idea cherish, of, like, he thinks yeah. he's making, you know, Michael Haneke's a more. You know, with yeah. the idea of, like, you know, watching... Uh, older people that you love uh yeah. die and and also and having to grow up quicker than than you should yes, and like all yes. those like those cherish your and life yeah, yeah. are there so. but they're not they're they're not as meaningful as as he believes them to be it's just so goofy but i think if he embraced some of that a little bit more he could make something that like i would love for him to collaborate with yorgos lanthimos like let right. yorgos yeah. lanthimos write direct, or direct. and, and co-write <laughs> yeah. it with him and see yeah. what that becomes because i honestly felt like watching like the killing of the sacred deer uh the favorite and you know even the lobster especially the lobster that's the kind of zone that i i feel that M night is tr almost trying to tap into a little bit, or right. it kind of feels like, okay, when it works, it's your growth when it doesn't, it's, it's M night. M -Night. Yeah. Um, and long story short, the movie's about, uh, uh a couple different families go on a vacation and uh, essentially this resort sends them to this private beach. Um, there's three different groups uh, of families that go to this beach and then on this beach, they can't leave. They find out and they find out that every half an hour, equals a year of their life so that's how time works on this beach and that's the short you know version of it and then you know chaos ensues just unhinged chaos ensues for you know 108 minutes um and you learn it, more about each of the yeah. families and the characters as the story why they're progresses. there and, yeah why they're yeah. there why they can't leave there's nothing in this movie that's ambiguous everything is spoon oh, no. fed to you the last 15 minutes is totally unnecessary <laughs> Like it really like there is uh, again, we'll, we'll get there, but like, obviously there's a last act twist, everyone. That's not a spoiler. Um, but I, which I actually kind of dug the idea. And this is what's so frustrating about the guy. Cause I go back to this is like, there are cool ideas in here. And even when we got to that reveal, I'm like, that's kind of intriguing and this could have been cool, but it's just not because or of everything. Sad that, even like, yeah, just the, the, where it ends, it's almost like I wanted the movie to begin there. Yeah. Like I wanted to see something with what results with some of the certain characters and sort yeah. of where that story goes, because it was almost like that's more intriguing than 
what we were exposed to for you know yeah that that movie for under two hours and and watching the film like the other thing that's kind of frustrating about it is that one it thinks is clever than it actually is in revealing certain things to you in not just sure. the writing but the cinematography oh you my know, god Dude, michael giolakis like <laughs> michael giolakis is a really really good cinematographer he is the guy behind he shot it follows yeah and since then he has been working with m night Shyamalan on on split and, yeah and glass and he also did under the silver lake yeah with David and, Robert and, Mitchell. and yeah. so watching this movie there's this asymmetrical quality of characters having conversation with other characters you know some of them you know composed within the frame and then other ones kind of edging on the sides or the you know, framing you're, is bizarre you're, yeah. you're only hearing their voices and like you know it, it's supposed to sort of entice you to be like okay there's something off here and you already know what the first reveal is because the whole movie old is based marketed on that, that way yeah, yeah. and so you see the effects that this beach has specifically on the children because it's more noticeable at first in the kids you know going from adolescent to young adult to to grown-ups and so you see the physical transformation happen earlier but the way that it sort of is portrayed in the film it's it's like you're expected not to know. And maybe mm-hmm. if you don't watch the trailer or don't read the synopsis, that's great. And it, it, it'll work a little but, bit more for I you. Mean, but even the way that their voices are, it's like, it's just, it almost sounds like some of it is ADR as well. Like it was almost done after the fact because it's, it's too clear and it doesn't feel like it was actually shot or recorded during the scene. Right. Yeah. Uh, I totally see that. And then, yeah, the cinematography was bizarre to me because like, I get what you're, what you're saying, but then even on top of that, it felt, just insane at times too. Like there's a um kind of not a steady cam shot, but like a freehand shot where the kids are running on the beach where I'm like, what is this? Where it's like following them running on the beach and it's like a handheld shot. Uh, and then the movie just never has a distinct kind of s- cinematic style that it kind of sticks with. I feel like there's f- seven different forms of cinematography. There was a shot uh from the water with the group on the beach where the waves are going in front of the camera. And I'm like, why the fuck? Why? I just, why? And then uh, it just didn't make any sense to me. And there's another shot where it's it's um, experimental, Matt. It's experimental. Oh my God. I laughed so hard at the superimposed rocks over all their faces as they're. Oh yeah. It reminded me a little bit weirdly. Oh my God. It's so yes. Like like M night watch twin peaks like the night before. And it's like, I got an idea, but then twin peaks is more on that Yorgos Lanthimos side of things of being biting and, and si- kind of satirical at times. And like, Oh, totally. And, 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 and otherworldly in general, but yeah, yeah, like that weird sort of like fade from the faces to rocks. It just like, like I kept thinking to myself, and that's more what in the editing he, and as you put the movie doing? together, not necessarily the cinematography, but like what Eric's saying that there's the framing in all of the shots is just strange where, like again, the groups on the beach, and you only see them from like the shoulders up, and then the top two thirds of the frame is just the horizon and the water. And I'm just like, I get what you're saying, Eric, where maybe it's supposed to make you feel a little like it's supposed to be off putting, like it's supposed to, you know, something's off on this beach, so let's make it all look kind of off. But I'm like, it just, it, it I, I don't get it, and it just like throughout the whole thing, it was distracting more and it just made me remember like okay and m night's earlier stuff like we're talking about like he had why they called him the next spielberg is because it had that 
you know what you were saying that Amblin feel and that like kind of he had know, a great tracking hook, shots and, and like, he knew how to sell and, you on on a premise and, and James Newton Howard I think his score um from you know his earlier stuff all the way up to um I forget the last movie he did with them but uh I think it was uh, after Earth actually it was the last one and then he hasn't worked with them since <laughs> just and like, I, just I gotta go like, I gotta go like I, I just feel like James Newton Howard's such a good composer too that it just added a, a feel to it and I feel like you know um there's nothing in here that has like a distinct kind of style to it and it all feels so scatterbrained and so uh campy and over the top and um and just unhinged to the point where it's comical, but not with Russell Crowe. No, um, where it's just like, what is happening? And you kind of this premise was going to go one way or another, and unfortunately, it went another. Um, it's where not what it's is just, happening; it's the yeah. happening too. And you're just kind of like everything; it just becomes more and more comical. The the way characters react to things. There's a uh, chief medical officer in the film, and I know that you know he's dealing with his own problems but in this well, he also moment, has he certain is, prejudices that, yes. that become more and more apparent as he gets older played by rufus sewell who you know is is having sort of you know on vacation for a reason uh as well and you know you see his young daughter and trophy wife um his trophy wife played by abby lee and um his young daughter sort of uh, grows up rather quickly to become eliza scanlon in one sequence and even there's a scene between eliza scanlon and alex wolf that's sort of you know this intimate moment yeah um and the way that it's again framed where you see only half of their faces lying on the beach and you know you kind of know where it's going if you've seen the trailer but um again it's almost comical in a saturday night live sctv sketch on sort of learning about the birds and bees um to the point where like the results should be horrific where where it goes but you never feel that like the body horror like the idea of you know kids gradually growing you know is is one thing and and hitting puberty and hitting certain stages of life like that's horrific in itself but having to be sort of rushed through that process you think like okay that 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 is something interesting that is Cronenbergian body horror and that's something that M. Night you know has been trying to tap into a little bit more with you know Split even um, with like you know the Beast and sort of that physical transformation of James McAvoy's character Um, but here it's just so cartoonish and and numbing in how it's portrayed that you never really feel it sort of like it's almost like he's trying to make this whole movie visceral and it never gets there it's it's never it's it's just so hollow and and the facade just makes it even more shallow overall and then there is again going back to the abby lee character the trophy wife she has a calcium deficiency sure, and that was yeah. the one time in the whole film that I felt that it was a little bit problematic or icky that it was almost taking advantage of somebody that has, you know, a debilitating illness that will progress over time and using and it, using to it be almost disturbing. as like a, yeah, suspenseful kind of horror scare, turning them into a monster, which doesn't really make any sense coherently because the character is never really a villain. Like I understand why they vilify one person because, you know, they bluntly set that up through the entire yeah. 
runtime. Um, well, she's it, definitely aged. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, the, like, so she's automatically what... a monster, you know, like uh... it's just like, it's, it's so it's such, it, that character is, is, is given the short end of the stick and is portrayed in such a very, um, almost yeah. vile manner uh that you just kind of it, that's the most off-putting stuff of the film like more so than like the intentional body horror and and sort of like you know the gross out scenes and then on top of that going back to the writing in the first minute and 45 seconds of the, the this film oh, there God. are three the, idioms where it's like, like you know uh don't want to grow up like yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. don't wish away this moment <laughs> yeah. um and then you know the 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 daughter maddox um who's later on played by thomas and mckenzie you know uh sings and and uh uh, Vicky Creep says, "Oh, you have a beautiful voice. I can't wait to hear it when you're older." You're old. Yeah, then, you know, yeah, you don't want to uh, grow up too fast. And yeah, these three lines yeah. are all delivered all in the, the first, first minute yeah. forty five seconds. I noticed film. all three of them as well, Eric, as they're on this bus, and you're just like, "Oh!" I, and then by that moment, I'm like, "I know what we're getting into now." <laughs> like, yeah, those three lines, I'm like, it's already out the window. And then, like, I referenced when I said, "Well, she's definitely aged," was the the line from the doctor as he's trying to figure out what's going on. And I'm like, oh my God, that's your medical kind of uh, assumption out of all of this. Like, that's what you're going to say. Well, the girl that was six years old is now like, oh my God. It's just like, and then throughout the whole thing, I think with a movie like this, with a concept as out there as this, you really need to kind of believe the characters are um, reacting in a realistic way or else it, you know, falls into what this movie ends up being, which just is ridiculous and comical because like when you have the Gail Garcia Bernal character and Vicky creeps and it's their kids where you're really noticing this, this aging, which Eric mentioned, you're noticing it more on the younger kids and, and uh, Kara, who is Eliza Scanlon's character, the older version too. But those parents, the way that they react to this is just, it's, it's just so absurd to the point where like, Oh, you've, you've aged. And then, you know, there's some shock there. And then like, a little while later, um, Vicky Creeps' character is like smiling as she's like holding her daughter and like they're doing something else. I'm like, everybody on this beach would be losing their goddamn minds. And I get Which that I guess you, you could argue kind of that like, they are in a, in a way. But yeah, like, it, but it, yeah, I know what you're saying where it doesn't really match the tone of 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 what the character should be sort of how they should be reacting. No one was taking it as seriously as they should. <laughs> and like, I think that's where I'm just like, they kind of were like, oh, wow, everyone's aging really quickly. Oh, and then she, because she's a, um, a curator at a museum she knew about bones oh yeah i laughed too. at that as well <laughs> that was really funny it's <laughs> like mom you know about bones and it's just like well and also Gail like Gar- garcia burnell working for an insurance company and knowing st- all these statistics yeah. and and like even you know um uh the trenton the 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 son who's played by alex wolf later on like he is a guy and you can probably hear uh construction because they're That's working fine. again Don't worry um about it. It, like his kind of quirk of being like, I like to know everybody's names and occupations and I remember them all. Like that's something that M night does in a lot of his movies where like that kind of whimsy fantasy kind of aspect comes out. And that's the stuff I like least of all of his movies, but mm-hmm. it kind of works a little bit more in something like say lady in the water, where you get the one kid who can read the sure. cereal boxes or yeah, something yeah. like that and, and, and sort of get a message. But there's even a moment that I laughed out loud and, and you know when we watch movies at home by ourselves you know we we can laugh at certain things but the moment that i i think will be taken out of context and put online there when they go to the resort there's this you know kind of lonely kid whose uncle works there 
and they meet them. And this is another framing thing that's really strange as well. That almost reminds me, like, again, like M. Night watched uh, Mike Nichols, The Graduate, the night before and decided <laughs> to, like, frame, like, this uh, punch fountain or, or location in, in a weird way where, like, you see the one kid sort of in between these two gigantic um, sort of glasses or jugs of, of, of fountain drinks. And then, you know, the, the, the two main children on the other side. Um, but they, they play this game called the truth telling game. And uh, you know, the uh, Trenton says that like, he, you know, likes to collect certain things and then the other boy does as well. But then he says like, I have no friends. <laughs> yeah, just, just, yeah. and the delivery and sort out of, of how yeah. it comes about it almost feels like again it's something out of some sort of weird adult swim you know parody or you could cut yeah. that out and put that aside like next to mark Wahlberg talking about and there the are bees. so many moments like that throughout this entire movie and that's why it kind of falls in that happening care uh, category and i haven't gone back and watched the happening but i had a similar reaction to it as i did with this movie where first it's disbelief and then you kind of go well, at least I can kind of laugh at this throughout it. And it's definitely not boring because of that. Like there's always something happening where I'm like, where, where is this movie going to go next? And, um, or what line of dialogue is going to come out of this character's mouth where it's Ken Lung going, I was on the swim team. I can definitely <laughs> swim over there. And you're like, what? <laughs> you're like, what? And it's just like to the point where you really think it was like, is he just, so smart that that he's playing this very straight but it is satire or is this unintentional or is just is he just so tone deaf at this point and doesn't realize what you know he's actually writing and thinking like you know on the page that this is you know thrilling and metaphorical and has sort of a, a, a deeper context to the world we live in now and the idea of, you know, growing up too fast and things like that. Yeah. It's just, like, like the Ken, so the other thing I do kind of find interesting is, you know, Ken Lung and um, Gail Garcia Bernal, uh, both being cast in this movie, Ken Lung having been in, been on lost, which yeah. is hard not to think of. And then Gail Garcia Bernal being, you know, his kind of big breakout role was in uh, Franco Caron's uh, why to mama tambien where yeah. you know the whole premise of that is that you know these two guys who meet up with this older woman are in search of this you know uh legendary beach and i'm thinking to myself that's probably he why found it <laughs> they yeah they that's why they that's why m night probably cast gail garcia bernal because he's another guy i don't I, I don't think he's a bad actor i just don't really ever find him as compelling on screen or interesting and i kind of feel that the casting of him and Vicky creeps together as a, an estranged couple or a couple on the rocks. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, the chemistry just isn't there. Like no, it just it kind of feels work. like these two were kind of put together. Nothing is believable. Like, like you said, and you can't, none of these metaphors work. None of the emotion works. None of the, just because it just, nothing clicks in the movie. It, it kind of loses you very quickly and then you kind of just are along for the ride and go, all right, let's see where this goes. And, you know, ultimately uh, it ends up being quite comical and without spoiling the last, you know, the last act, like they do answer the questions of why they're on this beach and, and what is happening to them. And I actually kind of, I kind of like the initial explanation of who is doing this to them. And I was like, that's an interesting thing and i don't but i that's kind I of given away as well with the casting of a certain character dropping off 
the family of four. Sure. And it kind yeah, of feels but like, I, okay, well, there's a reason why this person sure, was and, put in that role. Yeah, I understand that, Eric. But I mean, what, what, who he's working for right, and all that right, stuff. Right, like, and why, the, like why what, they're yeah. doing it. Like, I kind of thought there's an interesting nugget there of going, okay, this movie could have been something more. Because, like, I feel like that is an interesting commentary or just an interesting premise. What's well, the idea of the um, greater good, right? Yes. And, and I like that idea. But then they just beat you to death with the final act and, like, and kind of over explain things and then also over show things where the movie could have cut 10 minutes earlier, but they had to kind of, you know, show you exactly. Like, they already kind of showed you what happened and then re show you exactly how it happened which feels totally unnecessary and just tacked on and then also um there's an like a a very end epilogue kind of thing that like also just felt totally you could have ended it way earlier and kind of been a little bit more impactful it keeps going it's one of those movies that doesn't necessarily have multiple endings it just keeps going yeah and you're kind of like it's not giving you more it just keeps going like you said (laughs) you could have literally ended this movie at three times before you get to you know this other point and then it still keeps going and you're just like why and the only reason i can i can make that assumption is is again like he's not confident in that the audience will understand everything that's going on and like it just kind of feels like he didn't know where to end this and yeah yeah, you can argue that like maybe some of the production was haltered because of the pandemic or he had to adapt a little bit because of that and that's fine i mean like it's not making an excuse for the film but you know you have to understand that maybe like certain scenes or shots or or locations might have been compromised or had to kind of be rescheduled or or timed out differently but in terms of sort of that last act it just goes on and on and on and you you feel to yourself like he just didn't know where to end it and again he can't help himself but continue to go and sort of create this bigger thing that almost feels like okay well if i wanted to do a sequel i could but then at the same time he almost sort of you know nips that in the bud a little bit with where it ultimately ends and what it's what it's saying and then you think to yourself like this could have been a i mean it it could have least ended on a more dour note or it could have mm-hmm. been at least more pessimistic mm-hmm. but it weirdly is both pessimistic and optimistic and it just can't really make the decision of where to gauge that and just ultimately kind of gives you it everything it spells out everything it shows you the entire layout of this this in, in the 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 structure of this film and you just get so frustrated with it because it's dumb and you've spent all this time laughing at the characters and the line delivery and kind of perplexed by the strange cinematography but you just you wonder to yourself what he was thinking when he was writing that final act and and kind of thinking okay I'm going to, I'm going to spell it all out for you. <laughs> Literally, just yeah, every yeah. which way I can. Yeah. Um hey, power to him. Um I'm going to give it a two and a half because I still kind of enjoyed myself even though we've been, you know, very negative on the movie overall, but like I I do feel like oh, a shout out to the name mid-sized sedan too. Yeah, so that's Great. the other character, so this hip hop artist that, you know, you see played by Aaron beach, Pierre. Yeah, that you see on the beach first and you see him later on. Like he's kind of like the first character that you get a sense that there's there's something a little bit off, not just with 
what's going on, but with the film itself and how he's kind of portrayed and even the song choice. So the song that, you know, Maddox sings at the beginning is actually sung by M night Shyamalan's daughter at the end of the movie. And again, like it just feels so self congratulatory in so many ways that you're just kind of like, it's like him patting himself on the back and saying like, (laughs) I gotcha. Didn't I, I'm the twist master, you know? And, And unfortunately he's seen better days. And yet I still, root for the guy i'm still I know. gonna root for him like, i'm still but, his next movie i'm still gonna be I'm like gonna get I, burnt <laughs> yeah yeah we we will eric we will like i would just love to see him you know team with frank marshall and kathleen kennedy again and maybe make something for or take the time um, like I, the other Fox thing i do or, like about him that we didn't mention is that you know his last few films have all been self-financed you mm-hmm. know like he's putting his own money into these productions and I I really do respect that. Like he like he believes in his films enough to you know risk more than just sort of his artistic credibility, but also you know financial gain. And so like he believes in these projects. So it's not like he's just doing this to keep working or to keep relevant. You, you know, like he actually is fully you know uh, doubling down on 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 this thing. And and you know like that's admirable in in some ways and in, in other ways it's kind of like maybe you but then it almost maybe gives and... him too much control though too because right. like i think my biggest thing with m night is i think he's still a talented filmmaker but i do think you know filmmaking isn't one person and i feel like when you're self-financing and producing your own film and you have control of writing and and directing and and, and everything I feel like you can tell when he lost some of those collaborators that he worked with early in his career, his career started to kind of, you know, he, he wasn't making the same kind of movies and I'm not saying you have to make the same. I just mean quality. Um, and it, it's unfortunate, but I am with you that, you know, I gave the movie a two and a half. I still kind of liked laughing at it. Um, and I will come back for every M night movie and go, which one am I going to get here? I'm like, is this going to be entertaining? unintentionally funny is it going to be you know early m night where it was genuinely thrilling and exciting and 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 poignant at times or is it just going to be like something like after earth or airbender which i think is really really the bottom of the bottom where it's just like these are just you know jobs that he took that could not give a shit about (laughs) and just i don't know and what know, was man. that movie that Jack Nicholson and Marlon Brando started oh, again? Oh, God. Yeah. Which is The Missouri Breaks. Oh, thank you. I knew you would know. Yeah. But it, that, even that is ridiculous. It's just like, okay, like that's the thing you're going to like hang up on the, that one character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you give in the movie? I'm going to give it two. Fair. Uh, thank you all for listening. Um, if you like this, we have many other reviews we would love for you guys to check Ov's Gun um we have reviews for actually we have a preview up right now for dune the imax experience so the trailer for denny villeneuve's dune uh just dropped today actually as we're posting this so um we were able to see uh, about 20 plus minutes of the film in imax the opening 10 minutes and another action sequence as well as some behind the scenes footage so eric and i uh, recorded a preview of our thoughts of that footage so you guys can check that out on the reviews channel but then we also have actual movie reviews with escape room tournament 
Tournament of Champions, F9, A Quiet Place Part 2, Pig, uh, Space Jam, A New Legacy, The Fear Street Trilogy, and we'll also have a review for Snake Eyes, um, which Eric and I are going to see tonight. So uh, on the 23rd, uh, that review should go up for you guys to listen to as well. Uh, like I mentioned, the 95th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast is up. Um, it has our special guests, Rihanna Mehta and Kevin McGuire. Uh, we talk a lot about, you know, um, pandemic movie watching. What are some of our uh, shame lists of films we haven't seen or only recently saw? Uh, as well as just talked about a bunch of new trailers and news that came out. Just had a really lovely kind of just four people who really love movies just chatting for two and a half hours. So uh, go check that out as well. Loved having them swing by and go check out their article. They write an, uh, a monthly article called I Have to Return Some Videotapes Over on Eclectish. Uh, so go check that out. All the links are in that um, uh, podcast. And then on uh, Untitled Movie Conversations, uh, Justin Erickson and Paige Reynolds from Phantom City City Creative stopped by uh, a month or so ago. So if you haven't checked out that yet, you guys definitely should. It's a wonderful, wonderful conversation with them. Uh, drop us a review if you would be so kind. Follow us on all those social medias, Untitled underscore cast. Uh, go check out our uh, Letterboxed HQ, uh, which has all of our rankings, our reviews. We'll put up our M. Night Shyamalan uh, rankings over there, Eric and mine as well as uh, all of our social links, our personal profiles, all that jazz. So go check that out over there on Letterboxd HQ, Untitled Podcasts. Uh, as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at UntitledMoviePodcast.com. And you can follow me on all those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. I'm Eric Martian. You can find more of my video reviews at RogersTV.com slash CinemaScene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. Feel old after this one, Matt. Real old. <laughs> <laughs>